0: Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan, and coming up today, we have the return of Zara Hederman to the podcast, talking about her own podcast that she's doing with Imro now. All Together Now, in review, featuring contributions from, well, myself, I suppose. Joe McNamee, a food writer who curated the Grub Circus stage at All Together Now. We have Tara Robinson, our Limerick correspondent. We have Niall McSwain from Golden Pleck, who was also there, and also a performer, Alva Reddy, who's going to tell us how she got on at the weekend. And then later on in the show, we have West Cork artist Meryn Levis, who's going to tell us about a really cool event that she's going to be doing next week down around Ballet Hob. And then we have Chris Power on to talk about a new multidisciplinary event. Platform that is based in Cork. It's called Dose. They had their first event last week, so he's going to tell us about that and some plans moving forward for the future. And then we have some new music and a little bit of chat from Maya Sofia and Neil Dexter. So that's all to come on this episode of The Point of Everything. But first, it's Ara Hederman, returning hero to the show. She's taken over the Imro podcast, which started. Last year, that was run by a friend of the show, Aoife Barry, uh, for four episodes. That was more focusing on the industry side of things, talking about the likes of gender representation in the Irish music industry and the use of AI in music. So Zara has taken over this year. She started out with her first episode a couple of weeks ago, I think, at this stage, talking to Paul Noonan of BellX1 and House Plans. So that was a really good interview. So I wanted to chat with Zara just to chat to Zara because it's always good to chat to her she's also started working with Pitchfork she's done loads of reviews for loads of publications and she's also the music editor of Totally Dublin so we talk about all that and more coming up now on the point of everything so tell me about the Imro podcast how did you get involved in it
1: um, so the AMRO podcast came about, so it launched in 20, September 2021 and it was initially hosted, there was a the first uh, two-parter which was done by Aoife Barry, which was really brilliant and then from there they just were releasing episodes with guest hosts, um, Mark Gordon did one on AI and music and Louise Carroll did one on mental health and music and when I went freelance Back in March of this year, um, made an announcement on Twitter to get that uh get those job commissions coming in, and one email that I did get from it was from Brefni Banks, who produces the podcast, and she basically just got in touch and asked me would I be interested in becoming a bit more of a regular host for the podcast, um, because it was something that they want to. Put a lot of time and effort into and make it a regular thing. Um, and as you know, Owen, it takes a lot of time and an effort to do a podcast. So I was really excited. I was really flattered by the offer. I didn't expect that at all. Um, especially so soon going freelance. Um, and I was nervous to say yes because I get very anxious interviewing people. Um, I'm sure you don't get that anymore, own because you're such a pro. But um. I basically just had to kind of make myself say yes because I knew it was an amazing opportunity and that I would be able to speak to so many musicians that I really admired whether they're at the start of their career or like seasoned musicians who have incredible stories to share that would probably you know help someone who's listening to it maybe get confidence or inspire them to go a certain direction with their career and then also just to do like fun random topics that are also involved within the music industry to help me kind of maybe learn a bit more about the industry itself so with a bit of kind of plucking up the courage I was like okay now I have to do this and obviously Imro is such a respected um, institution within Ireland and it does so much to help artists and you know keep the music uh, scene thriving here kind of just felt like it was a really good fit. So yeah, that's kind of how it came about and how it's been going.
0: And so is it your baby now? Like, is it up to you to decide on the guests? Is it a team effort?
1: Yeah, so it's it's a team effort between myself and Breffney who's the producer. And Breffney was like one of the main draws as well to the podcast because just like talking to her and meeting her, she was so nice. She's so friendly. And we really hit it off immediately and like I was bouncing ideas off with her of what I'd be interested in doing and she was so receptive and so positive and supportive of them and then she would come to me as well with ideas of people that you know she thought would be good as well. So we've been working really really well together in that kind of the background kind of side of things. So it is predominantly like my show and I have free reign to be like can I talk to this person and she'll be like yeah absolutely um and likewise you know she has as much input with the direction of things so it's a really nice team effort I definitely am really glad that I have her by my side to do this uh
0: and so how how regularly is it you had the first episode a couple of weeks ago with um Paul Noonan and if you're allowed to say what's coming up on the podcast (laughs)
1: Um, yeah, I can give some spoilers. Um, so it'll be, at the moment, it'll be a monthly podcast. Um, at the moment, we're working on an episode which is going to be um, split into two parts. So one, it'll be about music for film and TV. So we're talking to people who work in a few different kind of sides within of that realm. So we've talked to composers, to people who work in sync, um, I won't say who just to keep some intrigue and, and mystique <laughs> Um, but yeah so we're working on something to do with that so that's kind of that was a new one for me like looking at like sync and learning about publishing and you know how that works and then talking to like people who have composed music for film and tv which is really really interesting Um, so we'll have like different spotlight episodes as well like the Paul Noonan one where we'll be talking to artists Um, obviously as you know there's a lot of releases coming out in September and October it's going to be very busy for um, music journalists and the, the scene in general so we'll definitely be keeping it like relevant with you know release schedules but also just talking to whoever we kind of can depending on their availability.
0: Cool. Publishing is one of those things that I think I understand, but then I hear someone talking about it and I'm like, I actually have no idea what it's about. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to uh, hearing that episode. But um, the Paul Noonan episode, it was it was really good. You talked to him uh, about uh, one of his stories was about uh, offering PJ Harvey some biscuits. And then you ended <laughs> on uh, his favorite desserts, his top three favorite desserts. But what I want to know, Zara, is what's your favorite dessert?
1: Oh, it has to be my mom's trifle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you said yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think um, that just from day one was always my favorite. I do actually quite like. I haven't had it in years and years, but my older sister used to love Angel Delight. Oh I don't wow! Even if, I don't even know if they still make it, um, but she used to always love the butterscotch flavor. Ooh! Yeah, so I I have like a slight fondness, just maybe nostalgically for that. But I haven't had it in years. But yet yeah, my mom's trifle though.
0: But what about if you're going to a restaurant and you're like, okay, well look at the dessert menu. What are you looking out for there? I
1: don't like desserts my mom's in restaurants. Trifle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, don't have my mom's trifle. Um, yeah, I don't really like desserts oh. in restaurants. Yeah, I would go for more of a starter because I always find no shade on restaurants. But I, I just always find their desserts are really heavy and really like I don't know. They, I prefer to just have like a coffee at the end of a meal in a restaurant. But no matter how full I am after, like, a family event or Christmas, I'll always pack away, like, two plates of trifle. Okay. It's a must. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, So you mentioned uh, going freelance earlier this year. Hopefully uh, it's been going well for you. You've been made the music editor of Totally Dublin. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, um, it's been really good. It's been surprisingly a lot busier than I expected. I kind of thought that going freelance, I would just have all of the time during the day that I used at my day job to do all my music writing things. But um, no, it hasn't really worked out that way. I'm still working late into the night, um, which I don't mind because now I'm working all day on stuff that I'm interested in, that I can learn from um and that like excites me so that's cool but um yeah the totally dublin um music editor was a bit of a shock and it was weird like everything just kind of seemed to align at once um i think before i'd even said it to um danny wilson who was the former editor before me um that i was th- thinking of going freelance he approached me he was like do you want to go for a coffee and um he was saying that he was gonna pass he wanted to pass on the the title and he um thought that I would be a good person for the job um because we've worked together on it for so many years. I've done reviews and interviews. So that came about in January and that was around the time that I was thinking about going freelance. So I was like, okay, feck it, like I might as well just throw myself into this, make a bit of a risk. I also turned 30 this year, so that <laughs> was maybe just like a bit of a personal crisis so I was like maybe this is just the time to do it Um, these things are aligning and yeah it's been great didn't expect it to be as busy as it's been and it's just been great getting loads of different opportunities as well from the pot Emerald podcast to you know just getting to do more different kind of features than I would have previously had time for so yeah definitely don't regret it but I definitely do still have nights where I'm trying to go to sleep and I have a panic of like oh god why did I do this but but no it's all good.
0: And you got to uh, put up a review for Pitchfork earlier this summer. First of all can you remember the score that you gave Spencer Krug uh, the guy from Wolf Barade, his album 2020 2021 <laughs> and can you talk to me about the process behind doing a review uh, for Pitchfork?
1: So I gave it seven point five in my actual review and I went to a seven point four just because I think that the pitchfork uh the way the reviews work, they kind of amalgamate scores and, and whatnot. But um basically it just came about after I'd say maybe two and a half years of emailing, just persistently. I think it's with like with anything anywhere that you want to write for any publication or any opportunity that you kinda of want to seek out, um, especially when it's outside Ireland, it just takes a lot of emailing editors and um and contact forms on websites. So yeah, two two-ish years of emailing me like, Hi, I'd like I'd like to write some reviews for you. Um here's some of my work. And then just finally I heard back got along really well with um Jeremy Larson, their album reviews editor in the emails. He was really lovely. And once I got the go ahead to do the review, read their starter guide, which was really interesting. Um filed the review and yeah, that it's kinda it was much like doing a normal review but I guess there is that added pressure of it being for Pitchfork and it's such a huge website and it has so many readers that that kind of aspect of it maybe felt different for me personally just because it was a bit daunting, a bit scary and it was definitely something that I'd had on like my personal goal list for years so doing it was daunting, but it was an amazing, amazing experience. I learned so much like from Jeremy Larson and, you know, the sub editors definitely made me really think differently, maybe about like writing reviews to a certain degree, not like entirely, but it definitely helped me try to want to improve as well, like writing which I think is something that you always have to kind of do when you're in this job, always want to get better.
0: How often do you listen to an album before you start writing about it for a review?
1: It depends. Uh, It depends on how much time you have before, you know, when you get the album um, and how much time you have before your review is due. But I do always like to have at least five times. But there are some albums where I'll listen to it ten times. I have, like specialized categories of listening as well (laughs) so there's like the first listen where I will listen to it and I'll have like a word doc open on my laptop and I'll just spill out initial kind of notes for each song then there's a lyric listen so listening to nothing but lyrics on the album and then like kind of a general then listen to see how everything works together and then I do always try to listen to an album when I'm cycling which is very bad advice I know it's dangerous or when I'm out walking just because I always find that when I like listen to something away from my desk and away from my laptop new things kind of come into my ears or I get a new kind of appreciation for something but yeah it just it kind it depends and it depends like how much I like the album as well like obviously if you like something that you're reviewing you're going to want to listen to it more because you're not necessarily going to get sick of it as quick as if you're listening to something that you absolutely despise and can't hate but even with something like that i will give it a good five listens
0: you reviewed big dime by angel olsen earlier in the summer for aquarium drunkard i feel like angel olsen is quite an interesting artist i feel like this album hasn't quite hit that much and might have been forgotten about uh this summer where are you on it now like a couple of months on from the release
1: yeah i loved that album um and i had like i loved her first couple of albums a lot and then when all i always get confused was it all mirrors or lark all mirrors was the album from maybe like 2019 or 20, I can't remember but I really liked that and then in between then there was just like a, a variety of albums from her that just had like different takes of songs which just for me kind of halted her progression a bit as an artist and I didn't really go back to her albums as much during that time and then I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect with Big Time, I mean I've always been a really big fan of her voice and her songwriting but Just when I I remember listening to it for the first time in my house, and by the end of it, it, like I found it really affecting in a way that none of her other work had kind of hit me before, and I guess the story along with the album was also just really striking and made for some of I think her best lyrics, and I loved how she just so seamlessly fit into that really lush country kind of world. Of where like she sounds like Amy Lou Harris and Patsy Klein and Tammy Wynette. And also like kind of George Harrison and Bob Dylan. So a lot of people that I would really lo- love anyway. And to hear her do it in 2022 and add a kind of contemporary edge to it as well. I thought was really interesting. But yeah, I do... I. I can completely see what you mean it has slightly maybe slipped under a little bit when you sent me a text earlier about it I actually completely forgot that I had reviewed it um and I guess that's just kind of as well the cycle of always like listening to new different things and how quickly releases kind of move on and we move on from them but um yeah I loved that album so much and I was listening to it again this morning and it's just it's really stunning and i do think it's probably one of her most sophisticated works to date are you a fan of it on
0: uh i think it's okay but uh i've kind of gone through ups and downs with angel olsen over the years and i don't i don't think she's been great the last few years but i'm afraid to say that too loudly because people you know love her
1: <laughs> i know yeah i i kind of i completely get where you're coming from and i I think something that really frustrated me as well was the collaboration with Sharon Van Etten. I really wasn't a fan of that song. But I'm I was really glad and pleasantly surprised by Big Time. She's kind of pulled me back in with this album. So
0: And so finally, what's your favourite album of the year? I think I can guess that it's Destroyer, but
1: I do really like that album, yeah. It's it's just brilliant and Dan Behar is just such a great performer and lyricist but I've also aside from that really liked Gweno's album that came out last month that was a really good one one that I really liked actually listen recently that I listened to for work was Katie J Pearson's second album Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her at all but she brought out an album last month and it was just, it's really fascinating like her voice is so different to a lot of her contemporaries and what we're hearing a lot now, like she has one or two songs that almost remind me very much of Karen Dalton, that was a really good one (laughs)
0: So thank you to Zara Hederman for that. Great to have her back on the podcast. You can check out the Imro podcast wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Just search for the Imro podcast, just like you'd search for the point of everything, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so next up is All Together Now in Review. It took place over the weekend, over the bank holiday weekend at Curramore House in Waterford. The first time it was on since 2019. I can report that one, There was no traffic chaos we arrived at about 2 p.m on the friday and just sailed in and everybody said the same no matter what time they arrived over the course of the three days maybe people were still arriving on the sunday um so fair play to the festival for fixing that issue and two the rain failed to dampen reveller's spirits of course And three, if you listened last week and heard about Thumper's schedule, where they were playing Independence at 6pm and then all together now at 11pm on the Sunday, and if you were as worried for them as I was, I can confirm that they made it back in good time and played to a ram tent on Sunday night, splitting the crowd in half, doling out high fives. Uh, They're just such a killer live band. So yeah, coming up, you'll hear from me and various others trying to review all together now. Let's start at the start on Friday. The first band really for me and a lot of people were Altered Hours who I've seen countless times over the years and no matter the size of the stage that they're on, they just always deliver. I was reviewing the event, doing day by day reviews and breakdowns for the Irish Examiner and I compared the Altered Hours to Velvet Underground, Bit of Iggy Pop and Oasis. Then I bumped into Elaine Howley, one of the front people, in Altered Hours, later in the weekend, and I felt it better explained that's not a slight. I think some people think an Oasis comparison is a bad thing, but I don't think so. And when I give an Oasis comparison, it's always the first two albums Oasis that I'm talking about. Nothing after those first two albums. And with the Altered Hours, it was about a guitar solo or two in particular. I just thought, oh, that's classic, peak, mid-90s Oasis. They also played a good few new songs, which all just sounded uh, brilliant. So they're playing another love story later in August, which I'm also going to be going to. And yes, I will also be seeing Altered Errors there. I got to see Self Esteem later on on Friday, an act which I didn't get for a long time until it finally clicked earlier this summer. I kind of thought that it would eventually click with me and it was probably around uh, her Glastonbury performance which i was listening to that was uh, at the end of june so maybe it's just about five or six weeks that i've actually really really been listening hard to self-esteem and i realized that what she's doing isn't for laughs it's funny but it's also deadly serious too but they look like they're having such fun on stage as well She had a drummer, a person on backing vocals and bass and keyboards, and probably a lot more as well, who was the obvious MVP of the performance. And she also had three backing singers and dancers, including Serafina Simone, who Hot Tip has put out a brilliant song and EP called Milk Teeth, which you can get on Spotify now. And it it is just killer. The first song Self-esteem played on the night was I'm Fine, the opener off the album, which ends with a talking bit. I'll do that talking bit now. (laughs) Imagine I'm a group of women talking and they say it sounds so stupid, but it's genuinely something that me and my friends actually do. If we are approached by a group of men, we will bark like dogs and people always laugh and they're like, haha, that's so funny. There's nothing that terrifies a man more than a woman that appears completely deranged. And the song kind of breaks down and everything, and they start barking. And live, when that bit hit, the backing singers started coordinated barking. It was amazing. You could see that the crowd got through to Rebecca Lucy Taylor as well. She's played to tens of thousands of people this summer, but it's so nice to see that the crowd's reaction still gets to her. They're playing the Olympia next February, and that'll be an amazing show. I presume that they'll have new songs as well. Gilliband afterwards on the Friday were brilliant too. They started out with their new single, Eight Fivers. By the time Lawman came around and all their big songs, including Why They Eye Their Bodies Under My Garage, that incredible, incredible cover of One. Uh, the place was just going absolutely mental. We were a little bit further back, uh, weren't down the front. I think I'm, you know, I have my birthday over the weekend and I feel, yeah, I'm just maybe not a mosh pit kind of person anymore. Well, we'll see about that. But yeah, what a bang, are. Okay, so one of my favorite events at all together Now, far away from the mosh pit is the Grub Circus, uh, kind of a food tent, which is curated by Joe McNamee, who I work with in the Irish Examiner. It's just a load of great foodie people chatting about various strands over the weekend that revolves around food. Plus, there's lots of samples. I had an amazing Brie from Bally that Deren Allen was cutting up on fire at that uh bread event. And then on Sunday morning had a wild Bloody Mary that was put together by Alex Raitanava, the sommelier and restaurant manager of the Michelin starred Cliff House hotel that included seaweed bitters and it almost blew the head off me it was unbelievable uh also had great pancakes that were put together by camilla check out her jog vlog blog uh if you get a chance on instagram one of the best runners in the country she was flipping pancakes on sunday morning did three at one go i thought that was really impressive anyway uh i talked to joe this morning about what was involved with the event and how we put together Grub Circus. So here is Joe mcnamee on the Point of Everything podcast. First off, do you want to explain what Grub Circus is because I thought that it was just an all together now event, but it's actually like your baby. Yes. Um
2: there's a space there for um I suppose food food performances, food related performances, uh, events and I was asked to program it um back in twenty eighteen for the very first one. So I conceived of this this group being called Grub Circus. This um it's like a catch all for any kind of random madness I have. It puts manners on it, makes it seem like it's something some sort of coherent offering, you know, but brings it all. It's like an umbrella,
0: I guess, is supposed the best way of describing it. And how'd you get on at uh, the weekend? You were very busy.
2: This one was this was colossal, this one you see. I don't think we got great support before in terms of advertising or getting the name out there. Previous years. We filled our space an awful lot at the time. But it was because we used our own network. So we went out, I literally went outside sometimes and dragged people in and they kind of got to know it and they were kind of going, hey, this is brilliant, but we knew nothing about it. So this year I had a website, you know, a Grub Circus website, made sure there was a link in whatever advertising that was in the All Together Now stuff. And we had posters and we had programs put up outside. And people were coming along, people were on site Friday, we weren't open, but loads of people were coming along, looking at the posters, checking out the space Whenever we could i I just tell them about it, and I mean all you have to do is say free wine, free whiskey, free cocktails, free oysters, you know because that's the thing about grub circuses um i think I think we might have been asked to do like a demo tent, you know. Get famous chef on stage, get him to do demo or her to do demo when everybody in the audience sits there starving, looking at it all. Of a sudden, <laughs> they don't get anything to um, you know, one or two lucky people might get invited up to try it. That kind of a thing. Whereas, if we do a demo, like just a, a an old school demo, which we rarely do, um, everybody gets to taste it, and. If we don't do a demo, there's stuff for people to taste. You know, we're constantly handling out stuff. and um, But I think people are really taken with the ideas that um, go on there, you know, the, the, the stuff we discuss. all the um, It's always delivered as fun, as entertainment, but there's a lot of serious politics, food politics beneath the surface.
0: And so how do you actually go about curating the stage? Like you've been uh, doing the food column with the examiner for over a decade now and like writing for various other publications as well. Is it simply just you've built up your Rolodex so much that you just, you know who you can call?
2: Yeah. Um, I yap.
0: <laughs> uh, you know
2: that. Um I do. I, I I I get on I I like talking to people. I meet people. Um, and I always, I'm always thinking as well too. You know, this person would be great with that person. You know, or they, they, you know, I think they'd like each other. They'd get on well with each other. It is. I mean, the Irish food world is 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 a comparatively small place. we a small little island anyway. The six degrees of separation thing never applies here. It's usually one. Just and this is ordinary civilians. So. Within the food world, you know somebody. You start to build up, as you said, the Rolodex. And it's literally a case of if you wanted to get somebody there and you didn't know them, you know five people who do, and they'll put you in touch. Or... What I'm always thinking about with Grub Circus is that I have some very <laughs> strong beliefs about the huge, the almost existential problems with the global food system in Ireland. is no different. Now it's Now it's completely tied in with climate change, uh, sustainability, which is a a, a bit of a, a much traduced word. I prefer things like regenerative. Where, like, There's no point in sustaining land that has been so damaged by agriculture. What we need to do is recover that land. We need to bring it back like 50, 100 years to a more pristine state, and then we can start talking about sustainability. But I, I have all these... Um, these convictions, all this. uh, But I know that you can't stand up on stage and preach at people for two days when they're at a festival. Anywhere, actually. Anywhere I do Grub Circus. So I always try to entertain. If people are entertained, then they're more open to listening. If people are involved, they're more open again, and we do loads of audience interaction. And if people on stage are not just talking, but actually doing something or demonstrating something, then the audience have something to fix on as well as to try and listen to. It, it kind it concentrates them more. So, I mean, we have a tagline in pursuit of edible anarchy. And that's the way, <laughs> that's kind of the way I approach it. I start with the crew on Saturday morning and I say to them, look, anything that goes wrong is the new right. And they always laugh at that. But in fact, it's, you know, there's a much more serious point there that we are going to be faced with problems in this kind of a thing Um, so if a a problem comes up right okay this is the new situation it's not something that's gotten wrong it's more about how do we fix it so it's really um, it's constantly um, rolling from one mistake from one error from one missing presenter from one foodstuff that never turned up from you know all these litany of things trying to keep it going, you know, wish we ordered this this year, that didn't turn up, you know, this kit, this machine, this whatever, you know, so. Oh no, I'm I'm just realizing, kind of asked me like, then how do I program it and put it together? I suppose it starts back in January even. I'm starting to um, write down ideas, things that I think would work, um, uh, people that I think would work with it, people that I would like to feature, a lot of the time I'm being asked for, you know, celebrities or people who attract the Instagram crowd. This is a, still, the voice is still hanging over from from the weekend. But I'm kind of going, I know if you put some people that people know, but it allows you to put people that, uh, others that people might be less familiar with and would be delighted to have discovered there. <laughs> and that's the thing about Grub Circus. It's a place for new ideas. New people, new discoveries. So I put together this list, and it starts to, you know, gradually become more cohesive. You start to see where strands relate to each other. You start to think, actually, hang a second, they 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 seemingly have nothing to do with each other yet. They might work well together. And then I wound up with the lads from Smoking Soul, who were kind of late to the program. These, these are the two guys, Pat and Jim, based in Wexford, and they hand-make they hand all this incredible barbecue kit, smoking kit, grills for domestic and uh, commercial customers at national and international. And I wound up having them for at the very start and right through the programme to the very end, and they were a constant presence. And they really linked it, and even if they weren't in an event, sometimes they were bringing out stuff. For example, with the whiskeys, I think, was there certainly with the cocktails anyway, there was that pulled pulled uh, lamb shoulder that they had done for twenty-four hours. Things like that. So it all kind of to be honest only sometimes. <laughs> sometimes the program is getting finely dotted and dotting the I's and crossing the T's like literally on that morning, you know? <laughs> Saturday night, I decided something else I wanted to do, you know, that kind of a thing so, somebody walks in there was a guy who walked in uh, who had won I do this other thing in Levis's and Bally de Hobbes, singing for your supper and this guy had won a previous year's singing, uh, he's a Canadian guy, he was singing Cornish sea shanties, so he passed, I thought, yeah, can we get in with the seafood demo, you know, so it's that kind of way, it has, it has a, a looseness
0: so so do you find um keeping up with like new food people you know people starting new businesses or new products it's kind of like keeping up with new music i mean t- two of the kind of the new names for me over the weekend that i found at um grub circus were uh, i think her name is sarah from seagull uh bakery she has three places uh around waterford and also on sunday morning then um Alex Retinava, the sommelier and restaurant manager of the Cliff House Hotel, who she made Bloody Mary's on the Sunday morning, which were unbelievable, like nothing else I've ever tried. Um, is is it kind of like keeping up with new music? You know, you have your old favorites, say like, uh, you know, Darina Allen and um, her brother who are also at the tent, you know, everybody knows them. But also check out these new up and comers. You might like the sound of them as well.
2: Well, just to go back to Dorina, what I like about Dorina is that an awful lot of people have uh, an image of Darina um, as this, you know, it's like, you know, home cooking housewife's favourite, but she she's one of the most political animals I know, and she is a very, very serious campaigner and, and really gets stuff done. And I think what she likes about coming to the Grub Circus is she's given a forum to really get her teeth into something uh, and to be political. Um, but for the younger people, yeah, you're, you're always looking out for them. You're, um, And again, because it's a small community, you hear about it. Um, if if somebody is doing something interesting or, or, or good enough, there starts to become a little wave about them. Uh, Alex, I came across... Um, a couple of years ago down the cliff house and she was she was doing very interesting stuff like that bloody mary now was wasn't tomato juice it was tomato water and tomato water it, it, it's worth doing sometime because it's it's an incredible uh, incredibly intense flavor
0: we, we were wondering about this afterwards actually can you explain what it is because I, I don't think the couple of people that i was asking actually knew what it actually was
2: you, what you do is you get a whole lot of lovely tomatoes. It always helps to have lovely tomatoes, as opposed to, <laughs> uh, you know, good start with good produce. It, 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 it was a coincidence. I made this Bloody Mary for, um, I call it the Bloody Mara, for a, 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 a pop-up I did down in, I used to do these t- multi-course tasting pop-ups for um, Taste of West Cork. I did them for about three years in the gallery. And there'd be about 30, 35 people. And we'd start off with a cocktail before. And I I made it with um tomato water. And so it was a coincidence when I when she said, Oh, she I asked her to do a Bloody Mary or something along those lines. And she came back with that. And we're going, Hey, snap. We, you know, both on the same page. So what I did was I got garlic and some herbs, some aromatics, some, I think I might have put in something like um like a kind of a Worcester sauce, maybe a kind of a fermented thing, and loads and loads of tomatoes and salt and mash them all up and then put them into a muslin cloth and hang them. Now, first time I was doing it, um, because I was doing these bloody morris for 35 people or 40 people, I had to do a large operation. I was hanging over the bath all night. It looked I'd been cutting up a body or something, you know. There was a just, just a spray of red everywhere, but it just drips through overnight through the muslin, and um, it's just the most astonishing flavor. It's tomato, but you, you first of all you find it hard to kind of put it together with your notion of tomato in a liquid like this. You know, it's really very powerful, very good in a in a cocktail.
0: Yeah, no, she, she seemed great. She just uh Yeah
2: she does things like putting um like uh tawny, uh Stonewell tawny cider on her menu. She puts Bertha's revenge, she made a gin kind of cocktail for um for a, a, a scallop dish there, you know. All these things. She's you know, she's she's very good on wine, particularly good on natural wines, but she likes to do other stuff as well, you know? And Who's the other person you mentioned then? Uh, Sarah. Oh, from... Sarah. Sarah. Yeah, Sarah. Sarah is now is I think she's one of the very very special people in Irish food, uh, not just in bread or real bread Ireland or anything. She really really is very very caught up in the whole idea of regenerative agriculture and uh, a closed circular food um, network and trying to do all of these things creating a sustainable business sustains the family and and she's a very good person as well
0: very good so you were very busy with grub circus did you get to see any music at all together now at all at all
2: i got to see absolutely muco (laughs) but you still had a great weekend saturday and sunday well it really was kind of it was kind of like work you know and no i enjoyed the work but i do uh like in previous years yeah i would have got to see loads of stuff I saw little little bits and pieces on Friday night, but I think I finished at 11 o'clock on Friday night before I had my dinner, before I went for a wander, before knowing I was getting up at 7 to do 7 till 10 or 11 in Grub Circus. So I paced myself a little this year, you know. And then Sunday night, I could feel my throat going. I thought, right, I've got a big breakdown to do. I have to strip down the place tomorrow morning and then get back to Cork and unload my van. So do I do like previous years and stay out until six in the morning? <laughs> I don't think I can. <laughs> I stayed out till three, but just hundred yards from Grub Circus. You know that was it. Very good, very good.
0: Uh, and so, what what's next for uh, for you and for Grub Circus? You've got an event at uh, Feast Court coming up. I think is it later this month.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's going to be a day, a one day thing, and it will be a much more of a family friendly event. But we've done those as well in the past, so. There will be probably less of the talking heads, less of the. There will be a bit of that. We've got f- five Michelin stars on stage, between uh, Damien Gray from Two Star Leah, uh, Rob Krychek, and Takashi Miyazaki and uh, Amit Dede, the three Cork, three of the four Cork starred chefs, and uh, Ashling from Goldie is going to be there. I think the lads from Smoke and Soul will be along as well. And various other bits and pieces then and random stuff as it comes to, you know, you might sort of meet somebody walking down the street and the next thing they know they're involved in it. You <laughs> know.
0: Very good, very good. Well listen, thanks for uh thanks for chatting and hope the hope the voice and the body recovers in the next in the next little can while. Can I
2: just can I just say one thing actually you know, yeah, that sure. I'd always wanted to do that I think made a big difference? I'm not sure people would have registered it, but I think made a big difference this year to uh, Grub Circus as well, was um, Cookie Cuisine and the Culinary Clown Show, our house band. Oh, yes. Because uh, they were really, really good. You know, you know, Would you know them, Justin Grounds? I know uh, Justin, kind of,
0: yeah, from Kilter, yeah.
2: Yeah, a new contemporary composer. And Brian then has drummed with um, uh, Mel May and Spook at the 13th Lock. And Mel and Neve MacDonald then sang with Giant in Dublin in the eighties, great singer, but they were they would come up with um, a tune like five minutes before an event, like and knock it out. They be great for these running intros, you know, these big Don King things, like, you know, so mm-hmm. They'll be back, definitely. Yeah, I <laughs> anyway, I, I, I
0: enjoyed uh, her um, pun before the mushroom talk on Saturday. She they sang their song, and then she was like, "Okay, thanks a lot. Uh, enjoy this next talk about mushrooms. Have fun, guys." <laughs> I thought that was very good. <laughs> cool. Listen, Joe. Thanks. Thanks a lot for chatting.
2: My pleasure. On talk to you soon. Take
0: care. Bye bye. Thanks to Joe for that. You can check out and follow Grub Circus on Instagram. And so now we're on to Saturday of All Together Now, which was all about Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. You can read my review on the Examiner for more specifics, but I thought it was just absolutely sensational we were down the front about 6 rows back and he spent 90% of the show prowling on the barrier reaching into the crowd and the rain was coming down showers all throughout it was a nice soft rain as he put it himself a soft irish rain and just really added to his uh, and it really just added to the experience and of course his pulling some moves posing in the rain just so cool it was an idea cemented afterwards after talking to people about the show that it might be the best performance Concert that i 've ever seen at an Irish festival in my life i've seen Nick Cave twice before at Body and Soul in 2013 and at Kilmainham in 2018 when he was supported by Paddy Smith. but this was the first time that I'd seen him when I really really knew the songs, so I think that this was my favorite time easily it was my favorite time I can't say with any certainty whether it is the best ever show at an Irish festival, but I asked on Twitter for some suggestions so Ala the underrated Irish bands uh, that I've been doing on the past couple of episodes. Here is me reading out my Twitter uh, feed of some people's thoughts on the best performance that they've seen at an Irish festival. Kieran from Delorento says The Walkman at Electric Picnic in 2013. He says that it was unrivaled. Paul McDermott, who does The To Hear Knows When, Great Irish Albums Revisited podcast says that he's showing his age but an indelible gig for me was an unannounced frank black casually walking out on stage mid-afternoon at phalan 91 and launching into pixie's set semple stadium was putty in his hands neil donovan replied to that saying it was brilliant eclipsed only by ride at the same festival kaplan music says today i'll say lift to experience at witness 2001 second band on in a near empty tent when they started Tinder Sticks and Dirty 3 were on the same stage that day too, while Low the band had to cancel for some reason. I think my head would have exploded if they had played too. Uh, Junior Spech says said at Electric Picnic. I'll never forget how insane the ending was. He says that was 2014. Darren King confirmed that on Twitter, saying uh, that he saw Factory Floor in 2013, which would be his shout for best performance at a festival. The 1000 Gig Guy on Twitter has a long list of people. Let's try and race through these really quickly. James Get Fresh 1990. Happy Mondays at Fela 91. In excess, Madness at Fela 93. Stone Roses at Fela 95. Muse at Witness 2001. Muse in the heyday. There. The Coral on the Enemy Tour. The Coral? The Coral? Prodigy Witness 2002. Arcade Fire Gold Frap Nick Cave at Lecter Picnic 05. Arctic Monkeys Enemy Tour 06. God, gosh why didn't I go to that Enemy Tour in 2006? I won't think about it. Amy Winehouse at Oxygen 2008. Breed was also at that. Um, I don't think that she would say that that is one of the best performances ever. I think a lot of people would say that Amy shouldn't even have been on stage then. 1000 Gig Guys continues saying Beyonce at Oxygen 2011. Johnny Marr and Savages at EP 2013. Massive Attack at Longitude 2014. Portishead and Ham Sandwich at Electro Picnic 2014. Young Fathers at Longitude in 2015, Christine and the Queens, Longitude 16, Fontaine's DC Murder Capital at Electric Picnic 2018, and Jimmy Somerville at Forever Young Festival in 2019. Fergus Dunn says, a bit obvious perhaps, but Arcade Fire in the tent at Electric Picnic 2005, which was just sensational. Paul McDermott remembers that well. He's back to say that if memory serves me right, it was Arcade Fire followed by Roy with their giant inflatable cassette behind them, and then straight into an incredible craftwork performance. Jack Collins says "Outcast" at EP 2014, and he says that with about 10 billion percent conviction. Graham McDreamy, no, sorry, <laughs> Creamy McDreamy says. Gotta Be said at Electro Picnic 2014 Nine Inch Nails at Oxygen 09 Or Rage at Oxygen 2008 All Floored Me Oisin Tourmi says Editors at Oxygen 05 always stands out to me Rage that year too And the Cave at Oxygen 2009 as well cool lisa simpson says beastie boys at electric picnic in that absolutely packed tent i went off the (laughs) i went off the planet it was fucking amazing flow florence and the machine a good second because i never heard of them and was blown away and crying within about 10 minutes irish mj says for sheer joy and madness i'd say it was king kong company at electric picnic in 2013 just incredible Ronan Leonard says Dirty Three at Lissard. Colin Perkins says Daft Punk at Oxygen 2007. KMG says Amanda Brunker at Oxygen 2011. I'm sure that everybody would agree with that. Uh, Danny Groningen says Arcade Fire at Electro Picnic in 2005. One of the most joyful live music experiences of my life. I will never forget it. Neil Dexter, who we're going to hear from later, says that he wasn't at All Together Now this weekend, but it's probably Nick Cave at Body and Soul in 2013. Epi Claffy says Daft Punk at Oxygen 2007, Hot Chip at Oxygen 2008 was a close second, REM were on the main stage at the same time and I regret nothing, was high on life for a full year, (laughs) got a synth for Christmas that year as well. (laughs) Blurst of Time says David Byrne and St. Vincent with the brass band at Electra Picnic, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds at Body and Soul is also up there, a big band rammed into that small stage, amazing energy and the moon was out. Ray Cheesty says it has to be Interpol headlining one of the tents at Oxygen. It was perfection. Jesus Tractor Love says probably Portishead at Electro Picnic in twenty fourteen. And Death Milkshake Music also says Arcade Fire at Electro Picnic 2005. Garon Shoga says Crash Death Dummies at Vela ninety five or possibly nineteen ninety four. Kieran, Trap Six the Cat says probably King Gizzard on Sunday at all together now. Flaming Gala, what a show. So, even as recently as that, we might have seen some of the best performances of all time at an Irish music festival over the weekend. Laura Murray says, I'd probably say Paul Weller at Witness 2001, just him and his guitars. He wrote a setlist five minutes before going on stage on the back of the Saw Doctor's setlist that had been on the drum riser, and that she still has it somewhere. Alan McGuire, one of the co-hosts on Juvenalia podcast, says that there's so many possible answers, but the ones that really stick out, as I was lucky to see that moment, are PJ Harvey at Electro Picnic 2006, David Byrne and St. Vincent at Electro Picnic 2013, and genuinely, the killers headlining the new band tent at Oxygen in 2004. Lots of Oxygen memories in there, isn't there? That's nice to hear. Okay. So here's our first voice note review of Together Now. This is from Tara Robinson, our Limerick correspondent and Denise Chyla expert.
3: Just back from All Altogether Now and absolutely loved it. There were so many highlights from King Gizzard, probably one of the tightest bands I've seen in a long time. They were absolutely electric. A Wonder World still sounded amazing. Um, Gillaband, my favourite band ever, I think blew the roof off to some kind of wonderful tent and looked like they were having great fun doing it. But for me, the weekend was a lot about the women uh, performers, including all the amazing Irish acts across all genres, not just being brilliant artists, but also not afraid of calling shit out from the stage. Um, I'm thinking of powerful sets from Altered Hours and Dry Cleaning and that beautiful main stage performance from Gemma Levy on Friday. I think made it uh, kind of more special uh, when I spotted Rebecca Lucid Taylor up the front uh, and singing along to, uh, up the flats <laughs> right before she legged it over onto uh, her own stage for an incredible show from her and her band. Another set I loved was Manchester DJ Ants uh, who brought this beautiful um, joyous energy to the Arcadia Bug which in itself was pretty spectacular with brilliant laser shows and uh, fire shooting out of these incredible steampunk installations. I think Saturday's highlights for me were Pillow Queens, just a phenomenally talented group. But Sunday, I think for me, was just the best day. Kicking off with Rufus Wainwright and the blistering sun and then this incredibly powerful and joyous performance from CMAT. Um, And what can you say about that speech? But I think being totally biased as a Limerick person, I think for me, Denise Chyla was probably my favourite artist over the weekend. I've been lucky enough to see her evolution from a spoken word artist to the work that she's done with Russ and Gano, to now where she's writing, directing short films, running uh, narrowline records with Marlene knows, And these last 12 months have been really special with the Choice Music Prize, the Glastonbury Slot and her appearance at the BBC and also support, uh, supporting Ed Sheeran on the Irish Loggafies Festival. So I think given that like, um, and the fact there's been few opportunities for her to play to Irish audiences and there's a real sense of occasion about... Um, this appearance and she did not disappoint. There was a huge crowd at the stage who were totally up for it. Denise was in brilliant form and had the crowd eaten out of her hand. I loved the additional live instrumentation from the guitar, bass and harp. And what can you say about Marley and God knows, two incredible artists in their own right. I kind of safely say it was a bit of a triumph of a set. I'm usually bad for remembering set orders, but I think they did finish the set with Water, which is a Narrow Lane tune, and I thought to myself that I'd love to hear more Narrow Lane releases, because the three artists together just work so brilliantly. I think in Limerick and probably beyond, we're all hoping and expecting that Denise will break through internationally, (laughs) and that Narrow Lane world domination will be a thing, because why not? Anyway, all I know is that I'm so looking forward to seeing Denise headlining the castle on the 20th of August, and that's the same weekend as the brilliant feeling and So I think everyone needs to come to Limerick for that.
0: Thank you to Tara for that. She talked about Denise playing the castle. That's St John's Castle in Limerick City on August 20th. That's presented by Show to Shows, who have just announced that LaBoom will be on support duty with more acts to be announced. Tickets are €38 Euro and it's going to be a special hometown show for the pharaoh of Irish music. One of my highlights of Saturday at All Together Now We're seeing about 30 to 40 minutes of Tara Kumar and Sally Cinnamon DJing together. It's that thing where you're wondering what kind of music you want to go see. And you know what? A pop heavy set was exactly what we needed heading to midnight on the Saturday. The best moment was when Tara dropped. I think it was Tara who dropped Push the Button by Sugar Babes. It's one of those songs. I don't know if you know like the start of it, but you know, uh, I haven't heard it in a long time. And we all knew the words, but we didn't know what song it was uh, until the chorus hit and the place went crazy. Uh, I love how you can predict what's going to be a standout festival moment, but I'll remember that for a long time. And I've been playing Push the Button since I got back from Waterford. Another voice note review, you say? Yes, here's Niall McSwain, who is assistant editor at GoldenPleck and founder of Who Are You Seeing? That's W-H-O-A-R-E-Y-I-H-S-E-E-I-N. On Twitter, that's a community for gig pals going to see shows. Niall has seen about 122 bands. I say about, I can say exactly. He's seen 122 bands in 122 days and he's been sharing that on his Instagram. A very impressive number. I know he saw a lot over the weekend as well, so I asked him for his highlights.
4: Altogether, now, uh, great return. Really thoroughly enjoyed myself. I was about to say it's my first time doing a festival by myself. It's not, it was my second time. But the last time i was working was electric picnic 2019 so uh when you're working by yourself it's a bit easier than when you're just bopping around by yourself but you no know, the festival had its ups and downs personally but musically uh musically it was fantastic highlights where to start i, I suppose i should do it in chronological order it's the easiest way to do it uh, friday highlights were maria kelly in the live on the lawns tent Yeah, it was just a perfect beginning, early evening, perfect beginning to the weekend. That album has been a, um, some of the in-between has been a bit of a, kind of a crutch over the past year. It's a stunning album, and that was my, my first time seeing it live in full. And yeah, couldn't have thought of a better start to the weekend. Dry cleaning were on after that. They were as good as always. Not much I can say about them, but they're just, so good live you know I, I really enjoyed their singles and their on their album but they they take a new form in the live setting and it's just fantastic the absolute highlight of friday night was the incredible self-esteem rebecca lucy taylor she is just an absolute powerhouse of pop it's my sixth time seeing her live And just gets better and better and better. And the reaction to her gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I'd be amazed if she's not mainstaging all the festivals next summer. Um, Because the reaction, the adoration from her and from the crowd. Just second to none over the weekend. Absolutely incredible. Saturday. I can't even remember who I saw on Saturday now. Uh, Circa Richardson. Uh, a neighbor, a next door neighbor of mine. I've known her since she was very young and I've always followed her career for 10 years now. So it's amazing to see what she's become. Such a great songwriter and the band that she's built around her are just so solid. Uh, All the new songs, especially the title track of the album, uh, Smiling Like an Idiot, are just wonderful sounding. Uh, She's gone from strength to strength who else did i see on saturday shame you know london post-punk i i still believe that you know everyone loves fontaines and murder capital and all those bands girl band or sorry guilla band but i still feel that shame when it comes to a live gig shame are, are eons ahead of the rest of them there's just something about charlie sheen's energy and stage presence that just elevates their music beyond everyone else in the same scene as them. So yeah, that was there was some sweaty, sweaty mush bits that night. I gave Nick Cave a miss. I've seen him a couple of times before and just wasn't overly enthused, but I, I'm hearing that I missed out big time. But what it did allow me to do was to get a front row seat for the surprise Saint Sister gig live on the lawns. Uh, I've said it time and time and time again on Twitter that I genuinely think there's no more consistent or better musicians in Ireland. They are just stunning every single time I see them live. Absolutely beautiful. So good that I decided to go to bed afterwards because that was like pinnacle of music for the night. On Sunday, um, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know how many other people you have contributing to the podcast today, but everyone's gonna mention CMAT was front and center up against the barrier next to a screaming Canadian fan who is by far and away the biggest CMAT fan I have come across so far, which is saying something. Incredible set, incredibly proud of the way she spoke before playing I Wanna Be a Cowboy Baby, Ireland's best by some distance. The other highlight from Sunday was a UK band called Caroline. God, how to describe Caroline? Released their debut album earlier this year. It's absolutely stunning. There, are, I think there are nine piece. You know, there's violins, there's guitar, there's drums, saxophone, all sorts, and they kind of play like a, like an orchestra, without a composer. It's just mind blowing to watch. Um, unsurprisingly, they're signed to Rough Trade. Their album was produced by the same people who produce. Uh, Lancome's album, very similar vibes, but obviously different styles of music. Highly, highly recommend listening to them. They said they'll be back to Ireland soon and that show is now the most unmissable show uh, in the near future. So yeah, keep an eye out. Caroline were great. The festival as a whole was fantastic. Great to be back after three years and roll on 2023.
0: Thanks to Niall McSwain for that. My Sunday, like you've heard, was all about Seema and Denise Chila on the main stage, one after the other. They love each other too, and there's some great pics of them together on CMAT's Instagram if you head over there. You might have heard about the controversy about a couple of speakers with anti-trans views who had been booked to appear at the festival. CMAT had issued a statement on Instagram saying she was extremely sad and angry about the booking, and ATN also issued a statement saying the speakers do not align with the views of ATN Festival. We wholeheartedly and unreservedly apologize to all our festival community, artists, and supporters for any hurt or anguish caused we support trans rights it is as simple as that CMAT on Sunday then made an impassioned speech before the last song I want to be a cowboy I took a video of it which you can watch in three parts on my twitter but here is the audio in full
5: I had a friend who I think about a year and a half ago I wasn't friends with him at the time but i became friends with him since they messaged me to be like hey I hope this isn't weird I just want to tell you something Um. I recently started transitioning and yeah yeah, they, they really slayed they really slayed with that first of all uh, they said I recently started transitioning and every time I inject myself with testosterone I listen to I want to be a cowboy baby <laughs> and, and they said that it's become a theme tune for finding themselves and I think that I think that that was the first time that I ever felt like I did a really good job or something. <laughs> What I was doing actually meant something, and and that that is kind of a common theme. With a lot of people who listen to my music, they say they're like, I'm gay. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> super <laughs> And and so because of that, and you know that, that, that what this means is like. The trans community very specifically has given me my career and has given me my ability to write songs. And I wouldn't be able to do it without them, like, genuinely, it's just, it's not a thing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anything without trans people, like, I'm just not, I'm just not. And they're my friends. And, and something happened, something happened yesterday which really Really was wildly upsetting, which was that two people came to speak at this festival who were um, transphobic, and they're known—they're known transphobes. They're not—they're known gender critics, and um, I believe one of them even deals in like trans conversion therapy. And that put me in a really tough spot because I did not want to share a fucking lineup with these people. I just didn't. And, and, I, and I, I, I've spoken to the festival, the festival organizers, and I, and I do genuinely believe them when they say that they didn't really know because this shit is really insidious and they dress it up as something eloquent and intelligent when it's nonsense. drivel up in such a way that you know someone who maybe hasn't thought twice about it will think oh yeah like this person seems smart they seem to know what they're talking about all that on this and they don't know any better and i don't i don't want any i don't want anyone to be fighting on anyone and i don't want to be combative in my speech here but i just i really i really thought it was a terrible thing and because of the, the reason it's terrible is because it takes away the peace of trans people And when you take away people's peace, you take away their joy. And when you take away their joy, you take away their ability to have fun. And I love to have fun! It's the only thing that I fucking care about. And we need to protect people going on the lash. I'd really like you to sing along. If you don't know the words to this song, I have a special request. I would like you to two-step. Like this.
0: I'm not
5: starting this song until I see more people two-step.
1: You're not two-step
0: What an amazing speech and performance by CMAT. What a hero. I hope she's proud of that speech because it was beautiful and she's beginning getting a lot of love about it online as well. Denise Chila was on after CMAT on Sunday and sounded a little bit tired after some travel issues and plane delays getting back from the UK. She'd been due to do the Blind Boy podcast earlier on Sunday but had to cancel. But she was always gonna bring it live, as do God knows and afterwards ran over to see murder capital i don't know if i genuinely think they're good if they're great or if i just like them a little bit ironically because so many people dislike them and also the guitarist is from roscarbury a place near and dear to my heart so i'm always gonna you know look out for the murder capital uh they are also really good though the first album is brilliant um the new stuff I was a little skeptical after I heard the first single and it doesn't quite stack up to the older stuff live at the moment. We'll still wait and see what they actually come out with, uh, with a new album. And yeah, the performance, some of it feels a little too thought out and cliched, like directing the crowd to get a pit going or something like that, you know? Um, but yeah, still good, still good. And all around, just a great weekend. Would recommend it going forward. Uh, it didn't feel too busy, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's maybe a larger capacity in 2023. But there's just so much happening from the Grub Circus to the All Curious Minds Talking uh, stuff that was on to just so many performances, stuff that was happening around the fields, impromptu uh, events as well. And yeah, Alvaretti was one of the busy musicians at All Together Now. Now based in London, she was over for the weekend where she played a couple of sets across the three days, including her own solo set on Friday and then with Elaine May and numerous pals on Sunday night. You'll hear a little bit of Alva's new single, A Mess, now. Very excited for her new album, which is already in the can after again recording with Tommy McLaughlin up in Attica Audio Studio in Donegal. And yeah, then you'll hear about Alva chatting about how she got on at the weekend.
6: Hi Owen, All Together Now was a very fun weekend. Uh, I left on Friday afternoon trying to give myself a bit of time to, I suppose, chill out and relax before my set, which was at about 9.45. I actually got a flat tyre in the motorway which completely scuppered my plans and I ended up waiting for the AA to save me. And it took about two hours then to go off the road so instead of relaxing I ended up pretty much going straight from the car park to the stage and playing. Um, I played in the lawn stage, uh, just a little solo set which was really 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 lovely and ended up having a full house and a lovely crowd. Um, Everyone was extremely attentive and friendly and yeah really 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 nice. Uh, It was the first Irish festival I played in a really long time so yeah it was really really beautiful. Other than that, I then kind of hung around for the weekend and uh, saw loads of great acts, saw the Glass House do their Kate Bush and Prince reimaginings on Saturday afternoon, which is fantastic. I really enjoyed that, especially Wuthering Heights that Jess Cav absolutely smashed. She did an amazing job of that song. Yeah, really, really, really beautiful. Um, later I went to see Junior Brother, who's always amazing. Pillow Queen's always amazing. Uh, Sunday I saw Matt and Mies Chyla, who were both absolutely incredible. Really great turnouts for both of them as well. Sunday was obviously a gorgeous day as well, so really nice day spending it in the sun. Sitting around and chatting with everybody and, um, yeah, just having the crack. Um, And then I played with Elaine May later that night at about 10 o'clock, which was really, really, really lovely. Um, Again, great crowd. It's it's such a different crowd to what I played with on Friday, obviously. a lot more rowdy but like really, really, really fun. I was playing it with uh, Sinead White, uh, Mary Mary Kate, May Kay, and uh, Elaine herself, and it was just really, really, really good crack. I always really enjoyed those sets just because it's completely different to my own. Uh, so, yeah, it was really brilliant. I drove home after that and that was very tiring. <laughs> I did not think it was going to be so exhausting. Uh, but, yeah, it was a really beautiful weekend, all in all, and um, the Saturday was pretty pretty tricky with the rain but uh, there are lots of places to hide and have a few drinks instead of braving the weather
0: so thanks to joe tara niall and alba for talking to me about all together now but that's in the past now all together now is done it's all about what's coming up in the next few weeks and first, here is a cool event that was only announced a couple of days ago and is happening next week, and it just sounds so cool. Ballydehob Jazz Festival is delighted to partner with local artist Mourin Levis to present her sound installation, Inver, an exploration and a celebration of the soundscape and identity of Ballydehob, Inspired by the Irish Bell Nadaw Cobb, Mouth of the Two Rivers, it navigates the Nokan and Rathroar rivers at the heart of the village. To experience this surround sound installation attendees are invited out into the water by pedal boat for a playful engagement with their local environment how cool does that sound it takes place august 11th to 15th that's thursday to monday at different times from 4 pm to 8 30 pm and it lasts about three hours you can get tickets on eventbrite and the link to the tickets is in the show notes I asked Mirren to tell us about the idea behind the event and what people can expect. She also sent me a minute-long drony bit, her words, which you'll hear at the start and the end. So here is Mirren Leibus explaining what Inver is all about.
7: Hey Ellen. So Inver. I guess there are several different points of inspiration for this project, but the main one would be when I moved back home uh, during the first lockdown. I was in my childhood bedroom, uh, which looks out over the uh, estuary of Hub and it had just it had been years since I had, um, you know, been at home for that length of time and been uh, living with i guess this um this environment this landscape seeing the tides move in and out but then also observing like th- all the changes that had happened since i had been living with it last you know some subtle some not so subtle and i guess it was just like contemplating what i did actually know about the environment and like about you know what formed the estuary the the waters that run into it the rivers and the streams and the tributaries I guess because of the water and, you know, it's the country, quite the countryside-ish, you do often hear a lot of sounds coming from just the community. So, I'm you know, you hear people down on the, down on the pier. I remember hearing builders playing like, uh, was it Don't Cry For Me Argentina on the radio? And they're just like wafting up to my family home. Or you hear people uh, like there's some trad musicians in one of the homes across the way. So sometimes they go outside and a session every now and again and so it's um, an environment that also it's visual but also the the sound of people is ever present as well and I guess I thought that maybe then uh, a a nice thing to do would be to go and collect the sounds of this river of this unknown part of this uh, landscape unknown to me, that is, I guess, and, um, and bring it down and give people a chance to listen. The piece is a 20 minute long composition, um, using field recordings, hydrophone recordings and electromagnetic recordings. And I'm presenting some of the sounds as they were. But I've also, um, I guess, you know, edited, sampled, manipulated a lot of the material as well to create like um like lots of ambient textures. So then the piece is going to be presented across six speakers placed along the banks of the estuary. Um, So there's a lot of space there and it has a lot of movement. So it's quite sculptural as well. And then I'm going to get people to go into pedal boats out onto the water, into the middle of all these speakers. I think, you know, there's two things, two goals I had in mind when I was making this. And the first was to encourage people to listen. we're such visual creatures. I think we're getting more and more interested in sound, but it's such a wonderful medium, and I think we don't just listen to the everyday half enough, and there's such beauty in there. So I want to you know give people a time and a place to be intentional with that, but then also, very importantly, to have fun. It's a joyful childhood kind of activity, and I just really want people to reconnect with the the environment and the area and to hopefully you know reawaken or you know maybe not even reawaken but just again give someone and people like a time to just joyfully engage with our environment because we live in such a beautiful place and such a beautiful part of the world and it's um more than ever so deeply important that we we value it and love it and take care of it and hopefully people go and listen to this piece have fun on the water actively involve themselves in the composition with the sounds that they make whether it's through the boats or just laughing or chatting with their friends while they're there and that they just take something away that maybe lingers a little bit in the back of their mind and uh yeah just uh that it helps nourish connections to place and therefore to yourself. So next for me, musically, um, it's going to be getting back into performance more. I have spent, I guess, the last couple of years um, just sitting uh, behind a laptop and exploring things from there, um, which has been a lot of fun. uh, But I think I would like to try and incorporate that into more performance- uh, based practice and the installation has been like a nice way of kind of a, an in-between a stepping stone in a way of bringing some sounds back um into a more public environment and a uh, more active space so I have one or two uh, singles coming out uh, hopefully maybe end of this year um, as part of compilations and we'll see how this installation goes and hopefully take it to one or two other places as well. Thanks, Owen.
0: Thanks to Marin Levis for that. It sounds class, doesn't it? Everybody down to West Cork next week. Now, Dose is a Cork-based multidisciplinary platform creating spaces and events for local talent, the diaspora, and artists based in Ireland. It's only just started up. You can follow Dose Cork, all one word, on Instagram, where they explained why they started DOS. They say, between the lack of venues, investment, the flight of local talent, and the ever-increasing costs of rent and living, it's becoming a serious challenge to foster and grow the creative arts in Cork, as is the case countrywide. And it's all a bit of a, wait for it, DOS at the moment. With all that in mind, we decided to fire up this platform. Dose is a multidisciplinary community of artists, promoters, venue managers, messers and heads that share a common goal of bringing people together and showcasing alternative art and music in Cork. Uh, they say that since the year 2000, quoting Give Us, give us the Night Research, around four and five nightclubs have closed in Ireland, an 84% drop. Cork has been no exception with many clubs, venues and art spaces closing in recent years such as the Print Shop, Camden Palace and many more. There have been heroic efforts by organisations like Give Us the Night nationally to raise, discuss and provide solutions to the issue of venue closures at government level. In Cork, the likes of Plugged Records, Rebel Reads and more have been keeping the fire burning despite the difficulties. So what Dose is aiming for is a community and space to give people a place to dance, to listen and to experience something different. Events that focus on local talent, fair treatment of artists and clawing back venues for culture. Creating something to draw back Ireland's talented diaspora and giving those that remain a reason to stay. Chris Power is one of the folks behind it. I asked him why they felt Dose was needed. So here he is chatting about why.
8: We decided to start the DOS project officially, probably in June. But we had been planning previously to do something um, with an international artist from about Christmas. So we were trying to book this artist, we'd had to like fees agreed and stuff and dates agreed, venues sorted, everything. And we were having some difficulty getting confirmation of flights and dates. And obviously with the airline thing at the moment, the prices were going up and up and up and we weren't getting anything really like so. After Open Air, myself, Nevin, uh, Nevin O'Keefe that is, um, Roy Stam, Michelle Delay and Ollie McMorrow. Ali um, is obviously Doubt, who runs the label Floyd Headroom King from Cork, if you don't know. And uh, the rest of the guys are artists, promoters, um, DJs, the usual quark thing, you know, people doing a little bit of everything. Um, we were talking, having a few points after Open Air and Ollie had played a really standout set at Open Air and we were all talking a bit and we just kind of said to Ollie, who's been a friend of mine for a few years and a friend of some of the other lads for much longer than that, like if we just asked him if he'd like to play, if he'd have the date. We'd already spoken to Rob, uh, Rob Rua that is, from Foxy Jangle and Rua Sound, formerly of Dope Culture, and Jonesy, who's kind of Jonesy, um, also of Dope Culture and Rise Up, to do the gig previously. They said they were down, so that kind of was the first, the advent of the first gig. Um, and I suppose the reason why we started thinking about this in general was like, Massive frustration having come home here from Lisbon. I'd been living in Berlin for five years prior, and there just seemed to be so much more going on everywhere except for Cork. And after having a few points of Christmas with Nevin, we were kind of thinking, like, we have to try and do something here, try and find spaces, whatever we can, and just make the lineups, I suppose, so good that people will come. Obviously, the situation in Cork is incredibly dire at the moment and has been regressing that way for. The best part of the last decade really since the closure of the pavilion in 2014 I think it was things have been kind of going south so yeah that was that was the first part of it and then we kind of felt like there you know the community around quark of artists musicians um and just general heads and stuff like there was all they're there you know people are still there and we wanted to try and Be a force that was able to rally people around it and and kind of unite the community of people who are doing interesting things and you know people who wanted to go out and be able to have a dance at the weekend basically and i suppose thirdly there is this idea of trying to claw back some of the spaces in the city Uh, if you go for a walk around Cork at the moment it's it's fairly depressing coming in from my side of the city i'm currently talking to you from my, my family home in Bishopstown the amount of buildings that are closed, like when you come in through Washington Street or the, the Grand Parade, just boarded up buildings, pubs, spaces like that up for sale, shops closed. We wanted to try and take some of these spaces back to be, I suppose, cultural hubs or spaces where we were allowed to put forward Irish art, Irish music, specifically cor- Cork stuff as well, uh, but not not limited to just artists from Cork. Um, so there was there was quite a lot of passion over those few points that night after open air uh, in Fionbars and we we just felt like we were in a position to maybe do something. Everyone has kind of got their own niche skill in the promotions team, so I, I feel like everyone works quite well together, and we're looking forward to trying to do things maybe every month, like really push push forward, and I suppose yeah, put decent lineups together, fair lineups, balanced lineups as much as possible and give, yeah, give people something to look forward to at least once a month in Cork.
0: So DOS had their first night at the Spalpeen Faunach in Cork on Friday, July 29th. It was Doubt, Rob Rua and Jonesy who was playing, so I asked Chris to tell me about how it went and
8: what's next for DOS. Hey Owen, thanks for getting in touch again. Um, sorry about the ridiculous traffic noises coming from my window. I'm back in Lisbon um, since Sunday night. Uh, so those went really, really well on Friday. We we're super happy with it. We got the official capacity of the venue anyway, um, which was great. We had about 116 over the course of the night. Everyone seemed to have a really good night. The sound system from Rise Up just really kind of translated super well. Uh, so we we're really delighted about that. Ollie killed it as well as uh, Robin Jonesy too. Really, really great sets played by all, so we were thrilled. Everyone seemed to enjoy themselves as well, which is important. And. Um, yeah, I suppose when you're, when you're putting something on like that, there's always the worry that it won't go well. But we we're really happy that uh, the reception we received online was also replicated on the door um, and on the dance floor. So going forward, the next gig we have planned is going to be on the 27th of August in Tessite, uh, which is a new venue run by Alva Cunningham, um, I think as well, with some help from the council and stuff. It's over there next to the Bridewell, it's an outdoor venue. So fingers crossed, we'll get the weather for it. And we'll have Frog of Earth and Sean Bean, uh, both from where the time goes. And also a third surprise act as well, which we'll announce together with the the two lads in the coming days. Um, Capacity will be seriously limited for this one at only 80 people. And considering we had more or less double that at the at the weekend uh, for the launch night we'd advise people to get tickets beforehand to avoid disappointment Just thanks again for all the support we really appreciate it and uh yeah thanks to everyone who was there in the night as well because obviously these things can't work without you uh, i think in general since we kicked the project off the response we've had has been phenomenal and um, people seem really up for for this kind of project in the city um, which is great, and we're looking forward to, to putting on many more nights, hopefully, and, and many other different types of nights as well. So obviously the last one was very much a club night, but this will be much more intimate, um, all-ages gig, on um, a more kind of experimental ambient tip. So yeah, thanks again for all your support, though, and really, really appreciate it. Uh, have a great week. Take care.
0: Thanks to Chris Power for that, and as I said, you can follow Dose Cork on Instagram. And now it's time for some new music. Every week, I ask a couple of acts if I can play their new tunes and if they'll send me a little old voice note introducing the track. So first up today is Maya Sophia with O Theremin, which came out last week. Maya was on TPOE number 158 back in February 2020, the before times. Uh, It's one of my favorite interviews I've done on the podcast. If you want to go back and check it out, uh, I think Maya is just... Just amazing. Uh, she's got a new album in the can, which I can't wait to hear. And O Theremin is an amazing introduction to it. And here is Maya introducing O Theremin on the Point of Everything.
9: Hello, this is Maya Sophia. I'm sitting outside right now and it's kind of noisy. So apologies for that. Uh, my new song is called O Theremin And it's about ghosts and being haunted and feeling, torn between the supernatural world and whatever reality is and it's also about the man who invented the theremin whose name was unsurprisingly Leon Theremin um i hope you like it
0: That is Oath Airman by Maya Sophia. She has some live dates coming up. Here they are. Get your pen and paper out. August five, she's playing the Slaughtered Lamb in London. Jeez, what a name for a venue. She's playing Clears at Kilkenny Arts Festival on August 11th. Pharmacia in Limerick on August 13th. Collins in Cork on August 14th. Prim's Bookshop in Kinsale on August 15th. Duneary Folk Festival in Dublin on September 10 and Night and Day Festival at the end of September. That is the 25th. And so after Maya Sophia, next up we have Neil Dexter, who was also on the podcast. If you want to go back and check him out, he was on TVOE episode 205. He has a new track out on August 4 called I'll Be Ready. Formerly of Spies, one of my favourite Irish bands of the past decade, Neil Dexter's debut solo album, also called I'll Be Ready, is out October 14th with a debut headline gig in the Workman's Cellar on October 20. He's also new dad, which you might be able to figure out in this voice note where he explains what the new single is all about. Neil Dexter here. Uh, my new single I'll Be Ready is out on Thursday the 4th of August. Um, it's sort of a Frankenstein composition of three ideas which found their way into one song, uh, quite dex- uh, texturally dense and brings you on a bit of a journey. It confronts feelings of apprehension, uh, fear of not knowing whether you're ready for the next stage of life, uh, whatever that might be. It also comes with the announcement of my debut album of the same name, I'll Be Ready. Um, it'll be released uh, digitally and on vinyl on the 14th of October, and you can pre-order the vinyl on my website, which is neildextermusic.com. Also my debut live show will be on Thursday the 20th of October through Singular Artists and it's in the Workman Cellar. Uh, We have a really special show lined up and tickets are available now. So that's i'll be ready by neil dexter thanks to neil and maya for sending on their new tunes much appreciated and if you want to send on some music or a voice note or feedback or anything at all apart from an abusive message uh email the point of everything at gmail.com or get me on at tpoe blog on twitter so that's the show for today we made it to the end folks thanks a lot coming up next week is an interview with thumper new music from The Cope, a brand new band, and lots more. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you like the show, please rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Tell your friends, share on social media, whatever you want to do. I'm okay with that. Is that okay? Okay. Have a great week, folks. <laughs>